This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being, being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. Having solid mental health doesn't mean you never go through bad times or experience emotional problems. We all go through disappointments, loss, and change. And while these are normal parts of life, they can still cause sadness, anxiety, and stress. But just as physically healthy people are better able to bounce back from illness or injury, people with strong mental health are better able to bounce back from adversity, trauma, and stress. This ability is called resilience. People who are emotionally and mentally resilient have the tools for coping with difficult situations and maintaining a positive outlook. They remain focused, flexible, and productive in bad times as well as good. Their resilience also makes them less afraid of new experiences or an uncertain future. Even when they don't immediately know how a problem will get resolved, they are hopeful that a solution will eventually be found. Valeria Telles interviews Rich Jones, a therapist, clinician, healthcare entrepreneur, executive director, Heritage Cares, and speaker. Rich has more than 20 years of experience in the behavioral health space, including mental health, substance use disorders, SUD, co-occurring disorders, and intellectual disabilities. He has been the founding CEO of two nonprofit organizations and two for-profit businesses dedicated to disrupting the behavioral health space for the betterment of people in need. Rich is well-respected in the recovery world and a pioneer in the industry. That's why he was tapped to lead Heritage Cares, a division of Heritage Health Solutions, Rich is passionate about providing quality care and supporting individuals that struggle with stress, substance use, and suicidal ideation. He has built his career on helping people who need the unique, flexible, evidence-based support that our platform delivers. Traditional one-size-fits-all methods of addiction recovery support only the 10% of people with substance use disorders who can admit they have a problem and reach out for help. Through his leadership of Heritage Cares, we have found a fresh new way to engage and help the other 90% in addition to their families, which is a game changer. Our innovative platform involves virtual support and certified peer coaches 
who engage and connect with individuals and make recovery attainable. Rich is helping people re-engage in the community and live a good life. Meet Rich at heritagehealthsolutions.com. Here is the interview with Rich Jones. In your own words, who is Rich Jones? Wow, that's a deep <laughs> question. So, well, I'm a, I'm a husband, I'm a father, I'm a brother, I'm a son, uh, I'm a person, first and foremost. I'm a, I'm a work in progress, first and foremost. And then a big part of my life is, is what I do professionally. And uh, what I do professionally is kind of what I do in all aspects of my life. I, I work in the recovery world. I'm a master's level therapist. I'm in recovery myself from an opioid use disorder and an alcohol use disorder. And I really can't remember a period of time when either dealing with my own shortcomings or helping other people overcome their shortcomings where that hasn't been the central focus of my life. That sounds like uh, some call the purpose when we have found our purpose. Would you say that, that that's the purpose of your life? Yeah, I, I would say that. I would absolutely say that. And I would say it's interesting because... We know for sure that purpose is connected with the good life, it's connected with life satisfaction. But what's interesting in my situation is I don't, it wasn't as if I, I chose this. I would have never told you in a million years that this is what I would be doing. You know, it, it wasn't like I sat down and mapped this out in any kind of way. So it's so wild. If you would have talked to me, you know, 30 years ago and said, you'll be a, you'll be a therapist, you'll be trying to help people. You know, I, I couldn't even imagine it. Wow, and that kind of brings me into a, a very interesting topic that we won't discuss today. But I do believe that we don't have a choice, that there's no free will. It's just life doing what it does, kind of naturally dancing that dance. No, and you're right. We could go off into the weeds with that, but I, I, <laughs> yeah. I kind of agree, I agree with you. So my second official warm-up question is about mental health. What is to be mentally healthy from your perspective? How could you describe so, that? Yeah, it's a great question. And I think, I think sometimes it's misunderstood where people think that certain people have a mental health issue and other people don't. And it gets really caught up in this diagnostic kind of prescriptive system. And that's not, that's not how I think about mental health. Mental health, we all have different characteristics of certain types of mental health, good and bad. We all have certain levels of depression with us. We all have certain levels of anxiety with us. Mental health is this constant pursuit, just like physical health. It's not like you're either sick or you're well. There's also this physical health aspect where you do things to maintain your health. That's how I think of mental health. Not let's wait till you have a diagnosis and fix you. It's you do things to maintain your mental health. Um, so when it comes to mental health needs, how do we learn to recognize them? So there are some, uh, it depends on what the issue is, obviously. When you start talking about things like depression and anxiety, which uh, anxiety is the most common mental health diagnosis out there. Depression follows uh, short right behind it. Certain behaviors, isolation, uh, fatigue, sense of hopelessness, sleep problems. When you start to have problems with sleep, Appetite changes, maybe where you start to eat a lot more, eat a lot less. And again, I don't want to get preoccupied 
with the idea of you're either depressed or you're not. But that's whenever it gets problematic and more dangerous. That's when it gets more, more clinical in nature. Kind of goes back to the idea of practicing self-awareness, isn't it? Self-inquiry and common sense too. I love the idea that we can kind of explore more that area of common sense. If we want to be healthy, then we do things. We engage in habits that will lead to that. But some of us don't. <laughs> well, and, and, and you also get into this situation where it's not, it, it's, some folks will fall into this trap where they think I have to see a psychiatrist or I have to see a therapist in order to be working on my mental health. And that absolutely could be part of the process. And I'm not encouraging folks not to do that. But there's so much more that you can do than see a therapist or see a psychiatrist. You, I'll give you an example. One of the biggest signs, one of the biggest things in terms of uh, main, maintaining your day-to-day -day mood is called the free three. And it's go outside, listen, listen to music, and laugh. That, the, re, the research is clear that that improves spirits and decreases feelings of depression. So, I'm, and again, I want to go on the record and say I'm not telling people not to see a therapist. That's not what I mean. But it's not all or nothing. You can do these other things as well. When do we know the time to see a therapist? Are there also signs for that? Yeah, I think certainly if it starts to interfere with your life, I, I would say seeing a therapist as soon as possible is always kind of the default. I don't think there's anything, the stigma, you know, kind of drives people away from seeking therapy and things like that. But when in doubt, seek a therapist, certainly seek a therapist if it starts to interfere with your life. So for example, uh, you're having trouble sleeping and you can't show up for work and you can see how that starts to really impair a person's life. At that point in time, you need to see a psychiatrist or a therapist for sure. What do you think or feel is the purpose of the human experience as a whole? Wow. So humans are social creatures. And so that's why we're, that's why we're still here. That's why we're on the planet, because we learn to cooperate with one another. I, I personally think that, I don't know what kind of label you want to put on it. Like it's a transcendent thing. It's a, it is a, it's a purpose. It's a meaning thing. It's something greater than me. And I don't necessarily have to talk any certain type of faith system or, or anything like that, but there's got to be more to it than just my experience. There's got to be something about what can you give to other people? Uh, what do you need to get from other people as well? It, it, it can't just be like how much money you got or what, how many wins you have versus how many losses it's, it, It just doesn't resonate. It doesn't pass the common sense test. And with that in mind, do you have any spiritual beliefs or spiritual practices, Rich? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a Catholic and I believe in, I, I go to mass. I believe in, uh, that's how I was uh, raised. That's what, that's just what I believe. I don't, I'm probably not the, I probably don't get the greatest, highest score in that area, <laughs> if you will. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm also yeah. a person I'm also a person who got uh, recovery. I got sober through the 12-step programs. So I did a lot of praying, and I kind of found my way back into my faith through that process. And that was interesting because through the 12-step meetings that I attended, and I attend a lot of meetings. Like, there's one thing about me. I'm always in, like, a group therapy process or always in a group meeting. But the group itself was almost like a spiritual experience. I remember, you know, you would go, and you would have – it was like the collective experience of the group. You know, it was, was beyond 
beyond me and a pretty cool, pretty cool thing to live out. But that definitely kind of has driven me back into my faith. What is healing to you? And what are some of the misconceptions we have about healing? Well, I think some of the misconceptions are that, you know, you take a, and, and I guess in my space, in the mental health world, especially, you take a broken person and you fix them, right? And that's healing, you know, so you have, you have a person who's broken by somebody's definition, right? Like we, we decide who's, who's, who's broken and who's not broken. And then we decide these procedures to fix a person. You know, that, that's in the mental health world where I think there's a lot of disconnect there. You can't approach it that way. It's, healing is a process and it's a journey. And I mean, I learned that the hard way, if you will, through my own experience. It, you know, I became dependent and addicted to prescription drugs and to alcohol. And I had to go through this recovery process. And it's been a process. Like, it's not like I've, I, you know, I go to rehab and I'm good to go. It's been this ever-evolving process. And to me, that's because you're always healing. You're on a, journey, you're on a journey rather than a destination. In a way, we can not say that we healed, right, Rich? Is that something that some of us could say? Uh, it's so interesting you say that because one of this, like, like in, in, the, in the recovery rooms, there'll be a big debate about do you call yourself a recovering addict? Do you call yourself a person in recovery? Or do you say you're recovered, right? It's the, kind of the same thing. Or, I think that, that you can be healed in the sense that you're, you're brought back up to like baseline functioning, right? Where you have a chance at, I would encourage people to be cautious around this idea of I'm healed from a mental health issue. I'm healed from a substance use disorder and therefore I'm good to go. I would encourage people to think longer term than that. It's not like getting rid of strep throat or uh, your appendix, you have a, you know, your appendix burst, so you get surgery. It's not like that. It's more of an ongoing process. I tend to see it that way as well. At a deeper level, because I don't believe in choice, I think we are whole and healed. So there's nothing really, it's just life doing what it does. So it's a natural, everything's natural. There's nothing that's not natural. Yeah, it's happening. At that level of functionality or practicality, then it's different. And even uh, connecting with others and Living this life with joy and peace, that requires a lot of healing, <laughs> constant healing, yeah. that I agree. Yeah. I think that's one of the reasons why it's so hard for people to understand the process of mental health and, and treat mental health the same way that they treat physical health, because it's not a fix. You know, it's not, it's not precision medicine where here the issue was. This is what we do to it. We give you antibiotics and then you're fixed. It just, it's not like that. So it feels so different from other health issues. Yeah, it requires going deeper into the root, the cause of what's causing the symptoms, right? Of yes. it could be depression, sadness. What is it? And sometimes, yeah, sometimes I think it can never, we can never find that. And it's okay to be sad sometimes. And it's yeah. okay to, oh, I agree. Right, to be depressed sometimes. I agree. Uh, my last warm-up question is about freedom. What is freedom to you? What is to be free? So I think to me, to be free is to have, and, and it's interesting, it, it, it isn't about laws and political parties or anything like that. It's to have choice in my day-to-day -day activities to kind of uh, find my own destiny or at least work toward my own destiny. And people have different levels of freedom beyond like rules and laws and things like I have a lot of advantages or I had a lot of advantages. For example, when I got into recovery, I had a lot of resources. 
So I had a lot of freedom. I had a lot of freedom to do what I wanted to do. I could go get treatment. I could go to college. I had a lot of freedom to, but other people don't have that. So we have to be real. We're not, it, it, it's, it, it, it's, they don't have the same freedom to reclaim their life. So that's kind of the way that I think of it beyond just laws and, and expectations. There's also the reality of, of what life's like. So you are a therapist, clinician, healthcare entrepreneur, executive director of Heritage Cares. Talk to me about Heritage Cares. It's a division of Heritage Health Solutions. What are the services that you provide there, Mitch? Heritage Cares uh, combines technology and online video content. So picture like Netflix for recovery. We have the we have we have the country's largest collection of therapist-led um, educational and educational material and stories related to substance use disorder and mental health. So you go on, it's called, we call that U-turn. You go on that platform and you can learn all about substance use disorder. You can learn all about issues related to marijuana. You can learn all about anxiety disorder, all about stress management. What we do is we have also, we've taken peer coaching. So folks who've been there, done that, people who've dealt with either mental health problems or substance use problems, and we've integrated them into the platform to provide, uh, in addition to the educational video content, we provide state-of-the-art recovery coaching services. So we, we work with treatment centers, for example. Treatment centers, when they send folks home, we provide the aftercare services. Because what we know is, back to our original point, recovery is, is not an event, it's a process. So when people leave rehab, they need somebody to support them through that process. So we provide those services. We provide re-entry services for folks coming um, out of the prison or the jail system. So picture a person, I have a guy that I, you know, that I know that I work with and he has spent like the last 20 years in prison. So what's life gonna be like for him? We provide back-end support for that as well. And then also with veterans and uh, military groups, uh, corporations as well. Any, we work B2B through the business to the consumer. With that in mind, I have a question for you. I know the topic of the conversation for now on will be the power of positive thinking, but I have a question about the cause of addiction. Have you found, has somebody found, what causes addiction? It's, a, it's debated. So there's a, the most common thing is this bio, uh, biopsychosocial model where certain folks are born with a vulnerability toward addiction. So there is a genetic component, but that doesn't mean that everybody wise up with it. So you have the conditions for substance use disorder, and then you have an environment that supports it and it kind of grows out of that. So it's kind of like nature and nurture. And, uh, and, there, and there's truth to that. Interestingly, the number one indicator of whether or not a person will develop a problem with substances is age of first use. Yeah, how young you are when you start to use regularly is the number one predictor. And, and that goes even beyond genetics. And, and it's really, I'll be honest with you, there's a big debate now around what causes addiction and and it's the conversation is being opened up some folks are saying it's all learned behavior so it's very interesting to watch the field kind of unfold over the last few years yeah right it's a it's a very interesting exploration into the human behavior mind how it works why it does it what it does but ultimately like we touched earlier is Life is trying to do something. You might be trying to balance. It's a balance. It seems to me like it's a sort of, um, it's searching for balance as we see in nature itself. 
Well, and we try to figure it out and we think we're going to figure it out. But when it comes, when it comes to things, you know, when it comes to things like this matters of the mind, I don't think that we'll ever know exactly how it, how it works. You know, I just don't think it'll be that precise. It's not like a broken leg that you can point, you can point to a broken leg and said, look, your leg is broken. You can't do that yeah. with substance use disorder or mental health issues. It just doesn't work that way. And so positive thinking, do you connect positive thinking to resilience? I do. I, and I, I connect positive. To, I, the first thing I want to say about positive thinking or positive psychology, it's an intentional practice. You can do things on a day-to-day -day basis that will improve your mood, that will um, increase your optimism, improve your spirits. And so that's, it, it's not just the power of positive thinking. It's also the power of other uh, positive intentions in your day. Like we talked earlier, for example, going outside, you know, listening to music, laughing. That's another example. So beyond just the way we think, it's also the way we act. So positive psychology is concerned with the good life, you write. So talk to me about what is the good life? What would that look like? What's the vision of that? Can we achieve that? <laughs> can we be yeah, there? Yeah, <laughs> and so the good news is we absolutely can achieve it. We absolutely, we can absolutely achieve it within, you know, the limits of what our experiences are. We can absolutely achieve a, a better life for sure in terms of the way we feel in any given moment. Positive psychology got started in the mid-90s. It was started by uh, Martin Seligman and his colleagues. It was basically, they were trying to figure out, instead of just diagnosing what's wrong with people, and let's try to figure out, what, what about happy people? What about people who report high levels of subjective well-being? What is it about those folks? And how can we, how can we get closer to them? Because we don't want to just, you know, take you from a one to a three on the scale of one to 10. We want to take you from a four to an eight and live the good life. And, and what they did then is they went around the globe and they studied, they created uh, validated scientific instruments that, that studied happiness and measured happiness. And then they said, okay, what do you do on a daily basis? And they just observed, they observed people who reported being happy and they started to develop interventions that tapped into those common factors. Does that make sense? It's the most, it's the coolest thing ever, man. Because it's like, wh why are all these people in Tokyo, Japan happy? Well, it's the same reasons as the folks in Greenville, South Carolina. There are common factors. So why, why don't we just tap into those common factors? And that's, that's the discipline of positive psychology. Talk to me for a moment about uh, self-care and self-love. I, I write and I talk a lot here about self-love. Do you see a difference between self-care and self-love or they are somehow connected, one and the same? Well, I think they're connected in the sense that I think it's going to be hard for somebody to practice self-care if they don't have self-love. If, if you don't care about yourself at all, you're probably not going to put in the day-to-day -day action. You know, for me, self-care is all about what you do. And I, I, it's hard, it's hard to, to think about self-care. You have to actually do it. it You know, I, and I can tell in my life when I'm doing doing this and doing it the right way and I'm talking to my therapist and I'm going to my meetings and I'm eating right and I'm exercising and I'm doing what I should be doing. I can tell when I'm there versus when I'm not. And it's not. And when I'm not there, Valeria, it's not because I don't love myself. You know what I mean? It's just because I fell I fell out of the habits. I fell off. I fell off the pathway. And now I got to get back on it. 
Yeah, it's very important to know how to go back, right, Richard? Have that confidence that we can go back. I think that's the only thing that I've done right, to be perfectly honest with you. The only thing I've done right in my recovery is I have I don't quit. Uh, I just, I won't, I will keep going back to the meetings. I will keep going back to the therapist. I will keep going back to my coach. I, that's because I, you know, I've had really bad days and really bad periods of time. I've experienced bad things happen in my family, but the only thing I didn't do is just throw in the towel. And that's what people need to tie into this idea of just, it's, it's this simple. If you keep trying, you can, you will get better. But if you give up, it doesn't, nothing changes. So you do have some, um, you call the elements of self-care, of a self-care plan, and you outline many suggestions and ideas, group meetings, prayer and meditation. Talk to me about prayer. Is that something that people who are not religious or are not, they, are not, they don't consider themselves spiritual, is that still something that they can engage in? Prayer yeah, I believe so. Yeah, I believe I believe the biggest thing with prayer and meditation, and that's something that you that I learned or I heard about through recovery rooms. So about 20 years ago, when I got in recovery, that's when I first started to hear about this and do this. And I think even the fact of just like sitting quietly, if you're able to do that, and you don't have to pray in a certain way or to a certain thing, but even just sitting quietly, you know, maybe more on the meditative side of that, and uh, the benefits to that, it, it, it's. If people give it a shot, they will typically, they'll see what we're talking about. It isn't like this magic moment where I had this like spiritual awakening where I saw the light or anything. It's just, that it's, it's, it's more of a, a, a kind of a grounding experience. And that surprised me that most of us don't really feel comfortable with silence. I love silence myself. Well, you know, whenever you, whenever you learn how to be a therapist, uh, one of the things that they make you do is sit with a person in silence and not say anything. It's one of the hardest things to do. It's, it, it, it really does. You get very uncomfortable. You feel compelled to say something, right? And, and fix the situation. <laughs> yeah. yeah. As if silence is a, it's a problem, right? It's a, it's right, something right. To be fixed. As if silence, yes, it can't, it can't be there. Get rid of the silence. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we yeah. want to fill all the spaces. And then yoga, that's exercise yoga. It's another suggestion, positive psychology programs, also individual therapy. Um, and then you also suggest something, another tool, it's called PERMA, P-E-R-M-A. Talk to me about that, Rich. So that's a very, uh, again, when they studied folks across the globe, they found that there were certain areas that, folk, that people had present in their life when they reported high, high levels of happiness. And it's not like 20% in each area. It's just a way of looking at your life and asking yourself some quick questions. So the P stands for pleasure or fun. You got to have some fun. Or, uh, you know, when was the last time you went out and just did some frivolous kind of joyful fun? E stands for engagement. You have to have something in your life that catches your attention and captures your spirit and gets you into the flow state. For me, it's these like podcasts. Like I love talking about psychology and mental health and time just flies by, right? And that's when, that's when you know you're in flow. So get into a little bit of flow. The R stands for relationships, quality over quantity. Who do you hang out with that lifts you up? Who do you hang out with that, that pulls you down? Two different types of people in the world. People walk into the room and everybody's happy. People walk out of the room and everybody's happy. You want to spend more time with positive people. The M is for meaning. And we've talked a lot tonight uh, about meaning. 
what do you believe in beyond beyond you? And then the A stands for attitude. That's the thinking stuff. You can choose your uh, response to any given situation. So, we, so what we would ask people to do in our coaching practice, we basically say, take a look at your life, and are there any glaring uh, areas? And it, 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 it provides a framework for people to start the process. They're almost like seeds, fundamental seeds, yeah, planted in our minds. Absolutely. Oh, I love that. I love the idea of fun. Yeah, they are so fundamental, all of them. But fun, we, we sometimes forget to have fun. So true. Especially in today's world, you're not allowed to have fun. You got the next thing to do, you know? Yeah, it's all about doing, doing. And um, yep. But then when you think about it, we're... Where's we are going with all this? Because in the end, it's all about the love that we experienced, gave, gave and received, the fun we had. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, not money or the achievements, although they can help too. Some people they leave a beautiful <laughs> yeah. legacy right behind, without this having any fun. So I guess it's um, life is this beautiful paradox of holding everything true in a way, doing and not doing. Thank you so much, Rich, for your presence here today, for your wisdom, sharing your deep wisdom, the work you do, how you do it. Thank you for your participation in the healing, I would say, in the healing construction of the world. It, it seems like we are heading to this uh, place of light. It really feels like light in the sense of more playfulness in this reality. Yeah. So thank yeah. you for your contribution to that. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. And before I ask you my final questions, I do have a few more here for you. Would you like to add anything else that we didn't talk about? No, I mean, just to, uh, I don't know if you'll, where to find me. I'm at www.uturn.net, www.recoverycartel.com. If you're looking for more information, that's where you can find me. Wonderful. And I'll have the link on your podcast profile too. Yeah. And then, of course, the Heritage Care site as well. Oh, yes. Right, right. Let me see if I have them here. Because if I don't, then I'll talk to you by email and then have those links. But I believe I do. Oh, I think I don't have them here. I don't have all the websites that you just mentioned. So so I can get, should I get Karen to send them to you? Yes, that would be really okay. helpful. Yes, thank you. Okay. So I'll have that on your podcast profile. And my last questions to you are, how do you define success these days? What is to be successful to you? Uh, it's just, it's different. It's evolved over time. It, for me, it's not necessarily about, you know, any accumulating of wealth or any accumulating of awards. Like you said, that's nice and and. And people do like that. But for me, it's like, did I give everything that I was supposed to give to the world? At, to the best of my ability, did I live, live, lean into that and stay true to that? And, and if I do that, I believe I'm successful. Yeah, sounds great to me, resonates. And another question I have is the final questions. What was the hardest lesson to learn about yourself in life as of today? The hardest lesson I had to learn was that I cannot keep bad things from happening to my family. And when I don't have that type of control and when I and, and when I realized that and went through that, that's a tough yet necessary realization. I like the way you said that, too. It is a challenging but necessary realization. Beautifully said. And what is another word for healing? I think recovery is another word for healing. And my last question is, what are three things about life you know for sure as of this moment? I know for sure that there are more good people than bad people, but I know there are bad people. 
And I know, and the last thing I know is I have a part to play in the health of this world. I can't just be an innocent bystander. I have a part to play in a healthy society. Mm. And you are doing that. Thank you again. Thank you so much again for your presence, your wisdom, everything that you represent. Thank you for being you. Thank you for having me. Take good care, Mitch. We'll talk soon. Bye for now. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Rich Jones and his work, please visit heritagehealthsolutions.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.